Hey, you guys, and welcome back to the Core Speak Podcast. I have the pleasure of speaking with Latasha Casey, CEO and founder of the Palm Squad. Hi, Latasha. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. Well, we're going to go ahead and we're going to get started. So I just have a few questions for you um, so we can continue to talk about this, your journey. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Of course. Well, I am a, like you mentioned, I am the founder of of Palm, um, which stands for Positive Outcome Mentoring and Dance Incorporated. It's a nonprofit located in Silver Spring, Maryland. Um, And in in addition to that, um, I am also a mother and a wife. um, And yeah, it's a little bit about me. Okay. Okay. So tell me a little bit about um, the Palm Squad. Of course, you just mentioned briefly what it stands for. If you don't mind, can you repeat? Yeah. Um, that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, I know I said it kind of fast. It's Positive Outcome Mentoring and Dance Incorporated. Okay. And so tell me a little bit about the Palm Squad as far as, you know, when you founded it, um, what kind of like spirit like what what made you want to create an outlet for dance for art for um young girls okay so i started the program in 2014 so we're coming up on our 10th season um this year congratulations thank you um it i knew growing up that i always wanted to start a dance studio or dance program because um dance just had a big impact on my life and I fell in love with it and it just taught me so much um that I really just that's what I always aspired to to start at a young age um after um I went to I went to school for dance so I went to I graduated from George Mason University I majored in dance um for my bachelor's and then I decided to continue that journey and do arts management for my master's okay um so after I, I finished all of my, my college studies um, is when I started my journey with the Redskins. Mm. So that, I, I know it's not called the Redskins anymore. So though, for those that may not be familiar with um, what that is, it's what it's the NFL team. Um, it's currently now called the Washington Commanders. Um, mm. It's our Washington uh, football team here in the D.C. area. And um, like I mentioned before, I started my journey with them. So I, um, after school and kind of working for a little bit and realizing that the corporate life just wasn't really what I wanted to do, Mm -hmm. um, I auditioned to be a Redskins cheerleader. It took me a couple years to actually make it onto the team. But once I did, um, actually, even before I made it on the team, I I knew that's what I wanted to do. I fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. This is really just like, this is what I'm going after. Um, so even through that process, just like learning resilience and determination, I felt like were life life skills that needed to be taught in my community mm-hmm. to young girls because I felt like I didn't really have that type of mentorship going growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really what inspired the program. Even though I knew I wanted to have a dance studio, I think that going through the process of being a Redskins cheerleader and auditioning to be a Redskins cheerleader really helps me find my niche of where I wanted to be and what my program 
how my program was going to be structured. Okay. And so, okay, so tell me a little bit briefly. Um, you can tell me as much or as little as you would like with each question um, because I want you to be comfortable. Tell me a little bit about that journey to um, being a Redskins cheerleader so you can talk about how many years you were a cheerleader, um, some of the things that you learned. Like you, you kind of already said it, but some of the things you learned as far as like um, don't give up and determine the discipline, how you were able to carry those principles into um, your company with the girls. So basically, like if you want to talk about, for example, a typical day of practice uh, or, or I don't know how guys would get ready for the games, um, maybe how you motivated the players when they like you got really excited right when y'all won and then let's say if you didn't win but you still had to kind of like pep up the um players as well as your fan base or the people that come out to see you guys Mm -hmm. so we can break that up because i know i said a lot but um we could start off with i guess what you learned from that experience with the redskins as far as like the discipline um, if you want to go back and forth as far as how you um, kind of gave that to your girls with your pro- with the Palm Squad. And then last, um, talk about the experience, like the day-to-day like practice or the game, the final day, like the game, game day. You got to put your game face on. You got to put on a cute outfit. Even if you're not feeling well, you still got to go out there and, you know, just hype everybody up. So it's like a three-part if that's okay yeah of course okay. I might I might have to have you break it down for me again but that's okay. fine um so I think the first part of the question was um like what did I learn from the experience was that mm-hmm. the first part? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah okay so um just to give you a little bit of again a background story of how it kind of all went down so um at before I auditioned I was actually living in Dallas Okay. Um, and I I was dancing with the company called Dallas Black Dance Theater. Okay. And um, things didn't quite go as planned in, in my mind. Um, and my the season was cut short for me. So I was only there from about August until um, maybe the holiday season, so like November. Mm-hmm. And normally a full season would be like from August until like May or June. Okay. But nonetheless, I came back home um, because, like I said, things just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And that is that year, which now we're in 2011. That was the year that I actually was introduced to the idea of becoming a Redskins cheerleader. Okay. One of my cousins was an ambassador at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she had maybe just finished her either her first year or her second year. And, um, you know, she told me about it and I was like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll try it out. I'm a dancer. Why not? Um, but I really did not know what I was getting myself involved in at all. <laughs> like I was, I mean, growing up, I was a bunhead. Like I was, I, I, I know some of your listeners probably don't know what that means, but like I was into ballet and jazz and modern dance and, mm-hmm. um, this, new experience for me was completely different from that I'm glad that I had my technique the ballet technique the jazz technique to fall back on mm-hmm. um, but it's just, it was just a completely different world so um, my cousin she invited me to a what they call a prep class 
basically, okay. you know, they have auditions every year, every spring. Um, but leading up to auditions, they have something called a prep class. So I went to a prep class for the first time and I had on like, you know, a black outfit and my hair was in a bun. And like, I really, I didn't stand out in a good way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you want, everybody has their hair down and their makeup is like fully done and okay. eyelashes and everything. And they have on sparkly costumes and two-piece costumes. And, you know, they, they really are, they're, they're showing what they how they would look on the field if they were selected okay and um so I had no idea you know I was just coming I was coming from a world that was completely different um so it did take me a couple years in the audition process but like I said once I was introduced to it I fell in love with it okay I think that so my first audition experience obviously I didn't make the team Mm -hmm. um I got so it's like it's the audition process is about seven days long Mm, so okay. I think that first year I only got through day one. Okay. Um, and I really think it was because of my look. Like I just I I didn't have like the I didn't have the whole package as far as like the hair and the makeup and the costume mm-hmm. and everything. Um, I needed to tone up a little bit more than what I was than, than what I was at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the dance skills, but it just wasn't. I didn't have the full. Mm-hmm complete package but that that year um after I was cut I like really became obsessed <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think that's the most polite way to say it but like yeah I really did my homework um oh. I studied the team and what they did and what other teams did right um, and I just really just kind of got involved in as much as I possibly could with the team and just trying to understand like what they wanted and um also to get you know my foot into the door so I actually worked um in kind of like a hospitality role that first year after I was cut um I don't know if it really helped or not but um at least I was in the door you know what I mean Mm -hmm. had one foot in the door um, and then I, I was an ambassador, which, like I said, my cousin was an ambassador. Mm-hmm. Um, the second year I tried out. And then finally, after the third time I tried out, I finally made the team. Okay. So, you know, it took me three three years. But like I said before, I think that it just teaches you um, resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, it teaches you how to set a goal. Like, that time period in my life, yes, it was three years that some people might be like, okay, well, you just wasted three years of your life. <laughs> like, really just focusing on that. But, I mean, I had a goal. And mm-hmm. I wasn't going to let anything or anyone tell me no. Like, I just kept trying. And yeah. closer each year, it might not have seen it from the scene, seen, been seen that way from the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was each experience was different and each time I auditioned I got a little bit further okay um so yeah so that was like the audition process and then once I did make the team I mean it was it was definitely a learning experience because I think coming from just a studio type of um environment to now you're like on a team of 40 women Mm-hmm. all different ages like from 18 to um you know there's some older young late younger ladies like 35 um that are on the team like that's a big age range and I was kind of like mm-hmm. right in the middle I think when I made the team I was 26 
Okay. So, you know, I, but I still had a lot of growing up to do. Right. Um, I was, I still didn't really know who I was. Okay. I was still going through a lot of things personally. Mm-hmm. I was still working full time at the time. I wasn't married just yet. I didn't have kids just yet. Right, right. But I had still had a full time job. I was still going to school. I was currently in my master's program when I made the team. Okay. Um. So there was a lot going on in my mm-hmm. life personally. Mm-hmm. On top of also, this was still a, a job. Like I still right. had to show up on time. I still had to have a certain type of work ethic that they expected. Um, they still expect you to be professional. Um, You know, like, it was so, it it was still teaching me. It was still molding me into the woman that I needed to become. It wasn't like I went and I was just, like, perfect. It was, it was, there was times where it was really difficult because I was still learning how to be a person. Like, Mm -hmm. um, and it was, it was tough. You know, you also learn about, um, just other other people because you you are like I said de- dealing with forty different women and different personalities, um, and just you know you have your cliques and um, friendships forming and breaking and <laughs> sometimes you feel like you're on the outside so it's there is a lot to process um, but I think at the bottom the bottom line is that I did grow from it. Mm-hmm. I learned so much from it um, and I had fun I mean I would in a blink of an eye if I had the opportunity to go back I would okay and so just kind of listening to you um, it just sounds like so as soon as you said okay I thought of a couple things <laughs> how my brain works um, one of the things is um, Aaliyah I'm sure you are also a fan of hers the late Aaliyah um, her song Try Again if at first you don't succeed pick yourself up and try yeah. it. or at least that's what I think the lyrics are and and so even when you said you know it took you three times most people it you don't get it on the first try you know like Oprah I think she was what fired at 23, 24 and then um, most lawyers when they study for the bar you know some people they're good test takers some people have test anxiety so um I like the fact that you were not going to let it defeat you you were going to keep going until you conquered it until you achieved it so I think that is a testament of your um faith and your determination you know what I mean that even though yeah it may have looked like you wasted three years you really didn't because um you know God in the Bible, all things work together for the good, and so <laughs> he put where it needed to be. If that makes sense, right? To help you in other areas in your life. You get what I'm saying? So, um, and then when you talk about the, the become being a professional cheerleader, and I'm sure like working and, and exercising, and like you said, being toned, um, you I'm sure it was not necessarily like. I know what you mean when you say the look because mm-hmm. I thought about like how when people audition to become a model I used to love watching America's Next Top Model and a lot of times you can have it but then you still gotta like you know what I mean like present it a, cer- a certain way I guess so right. yeah. and about like like you said the glitz and the glam you gotta like just do that as opposed to you have the skill or the talent but they want you know, I, I, I think I, it's like the actual, uh, um, sorry, extra, extra confidence that comes along with that. Like you can okay. have the whole package, but 
if you don't have the confidence, you know, to to actually stand in front of people and be judged because that's essentially what they're doing. Like, especially at auditions, at the audition process, like they're judging you. They want to see that you're confident, that you can speak well, that you can dance well, that you look presentable. Like they're about to put you as a, as a, um, employee in front of people right not just to dance on the field but to actually speak with people we we did a lot of what they called um what do they call them i guess appearances so um you know you would go out into the community all over the dmv which stands for the the district like uh, dc maryland and virginia um because we're we're really like our area is really closely connected to all three even right. though dc is not a state but maryland and virginia are states and then dc is like kind of right in the middle so like the dmv area um you know we would have events all over like even to sometimes i, I think the furthest event that i've ever had to do was like two hours away okay. in Richmond. um but you have to be able to to be I guess a presentable person where you can Mm -hmm. speak well and you're educated and um yeah they just they they have a certain expectation (laughs) Um, and I think I've even seen where um certain like professional teams they'll have the girls um I say girls even though it's women they'll have them um like you said, commute do community events, especially during the holidays, like Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. Christmas. They're giving out food. They're helping like students, and so I do like that aspect because it's more than just you you cheering or you being on TV and you're smiling in front of the camera. It's good to see you like out in the community, actually serving and doing for others, and and meaning to do it, not just doing it so it looks good, but like okay, I actually like doing this. Or right. I'm- yeah definitely a range of events Uh, and I think that for me personally um the ones that were more on the community service side and Mm -hmm. um especially working with children were the ones that I really loved the most um but you know you have you have a range so you have like the community service ones you have like fundraisers you have events in bars (laughs) so it's just you know it it is a range of different yeah okay And so, and so even in that process for you, like preparing, let me ask you this. And I just, did you like look at, um, some of the cheerleading movies, like bring it on, bring it on again. (laughs) Like, did you look at any of those movies to kind of help you prepare or that wasn't really on your like mind? So, um, what I did was not necessarily look at movies, but, um, the Dallas, Cowboys cheerleaders has a series that's been on for like probably like 10 years now um or maybe even more but they have a series called I think it's called making the team or something along that line um and that is really what I studied they yeah that's when I when I talked about previously like how the first year after I was cut Mm -hmm. and then I like really dove in and kind of committed myself to the process yeah I was that's where I lean to because that's I think had the most that was like the the biggest resource that I could find um so they have a whole show like it's kind of like a reality show they, sh- they mm-hmm. show how they um the whole audition process and um it's probably like a 10 
episode series or something like that where oh. they show from the beginning of the audition process to when they actually select the the team to go oh. onto the field um it's a really good show and I, I think that was really like I said that's what I kind of leaned towards mostly because that was closest the closest experience to what I was going to do um when I was in the audition process even though their audition process is slightly different it's okay. a little bit longer <laughs> they go through um they go through a couple months of audition like they go they have their initial auditions and then they have like something called training camp okay. um and then they I think the they they kind of string these girls along mm-hmm. for a while actually okay. and then um when it gets closer to the first game in August or whatever um they actually decide on the team so there's some people that are cut like right in August which mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense to me but um for us it was just one week I think they might have changed it at one point to two weeks but I was already off the team at that point but um when I was on the team it was just one week of auditions and then you knew if you were on the team or not but yeah that was like the closest um example of what I was actually going to go through was that tv show okay and it and it again um, just to go back to TV, it does sound like something like America's Next Top Model or even like the singing shows because mm-hmm. start off with 10 good people, maybe 15, and then each week somebody's cut because they didn't do something right or they didn't necessarily do something wrong. It's just that's not what they're looking yep. for. And they mm-hmm. get rid of you. And I hate to say it that way, but that's how I... That's how I... No, that's how it is. Yeah. I mean, they probably start, or start off with about maybe a hundred or if not more and then they cut that down Mm -hmm. um to about I know our team was a team of 40 okay um I think they probably have maybe 35 to 40 dancers as well and then but you also have to consider that they have vets too that are re-auditioning for their spot so that number that might start with like a hundred really they might be looking for about eight to ten dancers or eight to fifteen depending on how many veterans are coming back but the veterans are like I said they're fighting for their spot they don't just automatically get their spot back they have to work for it as well but they do kind of have a little bit of an upper hand yeah Um, (laughs) but they still do have to show that they have been that they deserve their spot back like and not like eating cheeseburgers and not exercising and like they lost all their flexibility like they still have to show that they deserve their spot basically and that probably like motivates them but also like it makes it fair for everybody else but also it probably um you know how like every year they try to switch something up maybe it's like okay you have to learn this too like don't just think because you know the whole playbook you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm throw something in here so that you you have to learn this as well. Like you said, like, you want to earn it, if if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a good show. I definitely recommend watching it. <laughs> I, but, um, thank you. <laughs> it's very addictive. Once you get started, you want to you find out, like, who actually makes the team. Okay. And then I just thought about something. Um, there was... I believe a television show for younger girls who do cheerleading. I think it was on like Lifetime and then Mm -hmm. it's like moms, they go out and they're with their girls and they're doing dance competitions or cheer competitions. Um, maybe, maybe dance moms that bring it. 
Um, yeah. yeah, I watched I watched that show as well. Um, and I that also kind of inspired me to start the program as well, to be honest, oh. because I was like, this is so negative. Like we have, mm. to, even though I know it's it's a reality show, like a lot <laughs> of it is scripted, mm-hmm. and then, you know they they're doing it for the ratings like they're yelling at the kids and you know just like all the drama I was like I don't want that right um but that was also a motivator when I was creating this program was like that's why the first letter of the acronym is positive like I wanted it to be a positive program right and not something not just your run-of-the-bill like dance studio but I wanted us to have a different vibe about us not just the negativity that comes that can come along with being involved with dance moms or other girls or other women um oh. I really wanted to, to be a positive environment okay and so when you decided to create this was it something that you wanted to do like before or after your experience um with uh you know cheering for the rest so um Yes and no. So I, like I said before, I did grow up wanting to have my own dance studio. I don't think it was until after my first year of dancing with the Washington Redskins that I really established what I wanted my program to look like. Okay. So after my first year, um, that's really, like, really, let's see. I think my first year was in 2013. Okay. And then I started, my first class was in 2014, January of 2014 of Palm. Oh, so my first class of Palm was in 2014. Um, and really, so like you can see the timeline, it, it kind of worked out that way oh. is that I finished my rookie season and then that kind of inspired me to form this program. Okay. Um, and that's where the Palms come in too. Yeah. Because <laughs> I never danced with Palms until Redskins. I had no idea. Oh, wow. Well, no, that's a lie. <laughs> I I was on my Palm team and in high school, but okay. it was it was it was I went to a Catholic school and we weren't all that good anyway. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um but, but um yeah so but but really Redskins really brought that that interest out of me to, okay. to start the, the program how it is yeah okay so tell me um when you you know when you started it your first class okay so how can I because I don't want to mess you up mm-hmm. okay so you started Palm Squad during that first season or first class I don't know how to word that my question for you is starting at the very beginning up until now um what can you say about the last couple of years Com- coming up on a decade? What can you right. like talk about that first year? And then we then we will go back to, um, you know, some of the previous questions mm-hmm. about that first year. Um, of course, gathering like your girls, like how did you talk about that process? Like, I mean, I don't know, social media advertising. Did you go to your church? Did you go to, uh, family members as far as like putting this together from the ground up yeah. and you go into all the details I just want I guess I just want some um, some positive and, and real nuggets as to how you did this or how you had people help you from family, friends, boyfriend whatever so that you could get this mm-hmm. how you want it like get it from being an idea in your head to like actually executing it 
Okay, so um, that's a good question. I haven't really thought about the whole like it, it's mind boggling to that it we have will to, be ten years. <laughs> right. This like more about so fast. I know. I mean, we did have the pandemic to consider too, where we lost a lot of time. But mm-hmm. um, to go back and think about, reflect on the first year, it was um quite kind of difficult to actually get people interested to start. Um, okay. The first, the very first class that I did was actually an after-school program. So okay. in Montgomery County, Maryland, we have where you like if you're a nonprofit organization or you know associated with a nonprofit organization you could go into the public schools and offer an after school program. Okay. Um, at the time I wasn't a nonprofit just yet but I was working I knew that was something that I wanted to do. Right. Um so I went through another program. Like I was kind of like they were like in between um, me and the school working like with the PTA to set up this program. Okay. So that first class was pretty successful in a sense because it was like okay first class I didn't even really have to advertise because they already had their customer base that they were advertising mm-hmm. advertising to okay. um, I just had to show up and make sure the program was implemented correctly <laughs> um, right. and I think at the time I had a teacher do it for me because I was still working full-time um, so that was like the, the very first class. And then after that, it kind of got a little bit more difficult because then you move it into the summer okay. and, um, it's kind of hard to get kids committed to like summer classes. Like I'm even struggling right now, to be honest, um, to get kids in the door for the summer because everybody's traveling and they're like, mm-hmm. don't really want to commit to paint, you know, even though it's only six weeks of the summer they're they're probably not traveling the whole six weeks right but it's just like you know we have these plans these summer plans and it doesn't involve dance basically um but yeah that first summer I think I had like just a handful of kids to be honest and um but I really and I probably shouldn't of (laughs) in hindsight probably shouldn't have gone this hard because like I literally missed so many different family and friend events that I really could have could have been more involved with because I was just like you know I'm really giving this my all and I'm really dedicated to it I missed out on so many like opportunities to travel or to go to to parties to bond with my husband's friends and things like that Mm -hmm. Um, because I was like I have to be there like I I committed to this process even though I have two kids I have to show up Mm -hmm. um but that was kind of like the first summer and then out of that first summer I had a cousin that came um and she actually went to the school that's kind of far from me um but it's a private school and her mom was like you know I can set you up with the after school program you know get you started there so Mm -hmm. I was like okay sure I did an after school program you know before so why you know why not let's try it again so um that was kind of like the start of okay once we got into that school I think I had two classes at that point and they were all they were both full they probably had like between 10 to 15 kids in both of those classes okay um and then some of those kids even came up to Silver Spring 
Like they loved the program so much that they were like, you know, I'm going to come on Saturdays too. Right. So then I started a Saturday program and rented space out of schools. So it started to grow. And I think what really helped it grow was that I did, I partnered with a whole bunch of other little companies at the time, like the schools. And then there was another program or two that I partnered with okay. um, that had a customer base already. And then basically I would offer a class to their customers. Um, and I would also do free classes. I would do like free workshops once a oh. month, um, which kind of really helped just to build my email list mm-hmm. in a way. Um, and then once they did that, the free class, if they loved it, they would then sign up to be um, a regular dancer with us. Okay. So that was kind of like the beginning <laughs> stages. Okay. Um, and then, yeah. And then eventually some years down the line I got my first studio um it was just a one room space but I mean it was a blessing um Mm -hmm. go ahead I'm sorry did you have a question oh no 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 okay we started talking about um getting your space and that like you said that in itself is a blessing Mm -hmm. because now you have a place where they can come it's it's like it's like a safe haven you know Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was really, like, it kind of fell into my lap, to be honest. Okay. Um, so, my husband, we were we were at, I don't even know where we were. I think we were at, like, a car, like, doing something with the car or, like, I don't know. We were somewhere. But anyway, he was like, look at this. So, something had popped up on his Instagram. And oh. it was, like, the most random thing because I don't think he followed necessarily these people. Mm-hmm. But um, we have, I don't know if you guys have this but we have like in our area it's like parks and planning so they they have like these little i want to call them like little houses or little buildings in parks and this specific building wasn't being used so Mm. like people can go into these buildings and they can rent them out for like birthday parties um that's usually what people do like right or like events whatever but this specific building like there was three of them i think Okay. Was not being used. So they had put oh. out an RFP or a request for proposal to the community to say like, hey, we we are looking for somebody to take over this lease. Okay. Um, which is just it was just kind of an odd situation because we weren't used like first of all, how did it just pop up onto his Instagram? Right. Like that was just really random. Right. <laughs> and then like that was just out of the norm for this type of building not to be utilized. Like it's it wasn't necessarily in a bad location um but it just wasn't being used so long story short I did the whole write-up for the RFP and um there were other people that had submitted requests as well but I won and so because of that I was (laughs) then I I leased the space for about four years we actually just gave it up this past Mm -hmm. um March because we had a flood okay but um yeah but I mean it was a blessing like it was a, it was small but you know we were small at the time as mm-hmm. well um had a, a playground outside because like again it was in a park okay and so it was perfect for um it was perfect for summer camp it was perfect for events we did a couple events where we did like a performance outside and then we like to cookouts and have food on the grill people can purchase the food making it into a fundraiser but also 
an opportunity for the kids to perform. Okay. Um, I also had my kids' birthday parties there. Like it was, it was really, um, it was really a good building to have. Um, unfortunately, like I said, we did have a flood, so it didn't. We didn't end up keeping it. But then I got a second location, which that's good. Is closer to home. Good. Um, and it's it's more visible, so it's like on a main road. Okay. And people see it just. It's like across the street from a major shopping center. So like you have a Chipotle and a Starbucks across the street. Like you know people are seeing this sign. Right. Um with with the other place in the park, it was kinda like literally in a park. Like <laughs> you have to kind of know, like be in that neighborhood to see it. Um, but yeah, so I think I answered your question. <laughs> yes, you did. I know No, it was it's okay because I guess I just wanted you to kinda like like you said, kind of think about that journey from like starts up until now. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you this. So during the COVID, of course, that kind of like took everybody like by storm. And it kind of lasted about two, two and a half years, almost three. Can you talk briefly about, you can talk about some of the positives or like the highs and the lows. Or if you just want to focus on one, yeah. um, how you were able to sustain the Palm Squad during that time or some of the things you may have done. You know how like we had to figure it out like okay we're working now we're working remotely. Like what did you do or have to do as a result of that experience? Yeah so during COVID um, so okay in 2020 like March Mm -hmm. of 2020 we were preparing to perform at um, an NBA game so mm-hmm. Washington Wizards Okay. and then I got this random email from somebody's grandma and they were like so <laughs> um, are we still performing I was like yeah why, are we, why wouldn't we perform like I wasn't mm-hmm. I wasn't really watching the news at the time right. Right. so I was like what why are you asking me these questions this is this is dumb like of course and then and then like the next day like everything shut down and I was like oh <laughs> that's why she was asking me that right um so that was that was kind of depressing because I think we were like literally two weeks away from performing okay and so that obviously was a huge hit because financially because I probably had about between 75 I'm just kind of rounding up dancers Mm -hmm. um that were going to perform at this event that paid for it um invested money into it now obviously I had to invest my time and efforts into it as well Mm -hmm. so for us not to perform that was kind of that was really not the best financial situation and then for us to be closed right for so many months thereafter that was obviously not the best situation for us um but luckily the the people that I was renting this space from Mm-hmm. They were. It, it took a. It took us a little coax. You know, we had to really work with them. Um, but they were. They abated my rent. So basically, while our state was shut down mm-hmm. during that time, we were. We didn't have to pay rent. Mm-hmm. While uh- other businesses in our area most likely did still have to pay rent, regardless mm-hmm. of whether or not they could operate. So that was a blessing because, yeah. you know, not a lot of businesses could afford to do that. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Especially if you can't operate. Um, we did try to do some Zoom classes. Okay. Um, we did lose a lot of students at that time, probably like half. Okay. Um, but some some stuck with us right. during that time and did the Zoom classes and everything. Um, then as the county or as our state started to open back up, like mm-hmm. you know they could operate at 70 or I guess 25% capacity or 50% capacity until they got back up to 100% capacity we would just follow those guidelines so and then again my the people that I was renting from they were lenient and they would adjust the price based off so if we could operate at 25% they would adjust my rent to 25% okay yeah and then um in addition to once we were able to operate outside, so we did the Zoom classes. Luckily, we were in a space that we could operate in a park. And okay. so we did outdoor classes. Like if I, if I, if this was to happen now, in the okay. space that I'm in now, we wouldn't really be able to do anything outside because we are literally in, we're in more of a city urban type environment. So like there's a lot of cars and traffic. Right. And, dangerousness that right. we didn't want to put the kids in, involved in. Right. But because we were in a park, we could just dance outside of our yeah. building. Yeah. Um, so we did a lot of outdoor classes to start off to like kind of reintroduce the program to people or whatever to get back involved. Um, okay. We wore masks for a while. Um, right. right. We, yeah, so I think that was pretty much how it was for a couple years um I think also during that time I had an opportunity to look at the finances and to reevaluate like what I was doing um before COVID and say like okay like these people even though we're a nonprofit, like I really have a heart for helping people I want to see everybody be able to dance at the same time uh, I have mouths to feed. Yeah. <laughs> I have things that I have to pay for. Right. So I can't just give away classes for pennies. Right. Um, but during COVID, it really allowed me to reflect on um, my pricing model and what I needed to change in order to be a better businesswoman. Okay. Um, and I took classes. Um, one in particular was this organization that's ran by a lady, she lives in Savannah, Georgia, um, and I believe, uh, hopefully I get this right, I think it's Dance Studio Owners of Color, so she's a, a woman of color, and she's has this Facebook group, but then she also has, like, classes that, that at COVID, she would do Zoom classes to kind of teach women, studio owners, okay. um, in particular, like, different aspects of how to run your business, basically, okay. the right way, so... That was helpful um, because I think if I would continue to go the, the route, the way I was going and charging what I was charging, you know, it just, it, I would have never been able to really get to the point where I needed to get to. And I'm still working on it. It's like, it wasn't something that just happened overnight because um, my cousins were used to paying a certain amount. So I just slowly but surely like getting back to um, offering the things that they were used to, but now at a different price point. So it's kind of 
like it's interesting <laughs> it's interesting you have like some people that are like they know what it was before so that's easy and then you have some people that have been through the process with me for the past seven eight years and they're like well why are, why are things changing or why why is this cost so much now well girlfriend I first of all I almost have three kids I can't do everything I have to pay somebody to do these things I was working for free so um obviously I have to pay these people to to show up like they're not going to show up for nothing like I was so um you know lose people but at the same time gaining people on the back end so Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. And so, can you tell me a little bit about? Um, can you tell me a little bit about what the process or what the requirements are for some of the girls, as far as like what are their age ranges? Um, you don't necessarily have to talk about um, how much it is for the students to enroll. Um, I feel like as long as you kind of talk about the age range, the if there's like a health requirement, if there's like a um, just anything like that. Um, yeah, if you could talk about that. Briefly. So our program is broken up into two different categories. So we have okay. a recreational program and we have a oh. competitive program. Okay. Our recreational program is really what it sounds like. It's purely recreational um people can take as many classes as they want up to their commitment level as far as like if they want to just do once a week for 45 minutes we have that if they want to do multiple classes we we can work with that as well um that program starts at right now age three um and it goes up to basically 12th grade or 18 okay um, I do want to start a two-year-old program, but we just haven't had any two-year-olds yet. Okay. Um, but right now, that program, we started at three. Okay. And then our competitive side is a little bit different um, in regards to the time and financial commitment that we ask the parents. Um, this season coming up, we are expecting our dancers to come three times a week. Okay. So there's, there's really no wiggle room on that. Like, you, we have their set schedule is three days a week um as opposed to like what I said with the recreation they can come just for 45 minutes okay (laughs) um so you're looking at about um I think it equals like four and a half hours a week basically which is really still considerably low for uh, a competitive dancer like a lot of times at other studios you'll see competitive dancers dancing like eight hours a week Okay. Um, but because we're still trying to grow our program um, and get parents used to the idea of paying <laughs> a substantial amount of money for dance, um, we we're trying to work on like this. We're going from last year just two days a week to now three days a week. Okay. Um, there is an audition process for our competitive program. Okay. Right now, it's just a placement audition. Okay. So if the dancer um, is not necessarily like we have different levels. So right now we have four different levels and they're based off of age and skill. So we place them where they need to be based off their age and their skill when they audition. Okay. And um, really if 
if the parent and the child is committed to the process, then we, we are committed to them for that season. Okay. We don't really turn anybody away because we feel like we everybody's teachable. Um, right. And we know that if they come into the competitive program and come for three days a week and do the technique, they're going to grow as dancers. They're going to learn. As okay. opposed to coming for one day a week for 45 minutes, that's a little bit harder to progress as quickly as what we see our competitive dancers progressing okay and then in between our recreational program and our competitive program we have something called our performance squad so that's still on the recreational side they don't compete but they don't have to audition to be a part of this program okay so the performance squad is just it's a program where the kids are dancing about two hours a week mandatory so they have to still take they have to take a ballet jazz ballet class and a jazz class in addition to their rehearsal and then unlike the competitive program like they're not competing but they are performing more so now they're doing parades they're doing um any type of community events so like sometimes we we have other things that come up like we've danced at nursing homes we've danced at hospitals um Obviously, with COVID, we're still getting, we're kind of easing back into um, some of the videos that we used to go to. Okay. Um, but we did do our NBA game this past season, so we're going to do that again. Um, we don't have a date yet for this upcoming season, but we'll do that again. Um, we have some dancers dancing in the NFL, uh, I think, uh, dra- not draft day. I think it's like something for... Um, it's during their training training camp, I believe. Okay. But yeah, so so we ha- so I hope that helps. So we have recreational <laughs> and competitive. We start at three and we go all the way up to eighteen. And sometimes okay. we do offer some adult classes as well. Okay. And so I was just going to ask you about that. So I'm glad that you mentioned what you guys do in the community because I was going to ask you about some of the parades in the mm-hmm. D- in the DMV area. Um, so you guys do the parades like in what the spring or the fall or does it? Is yeah. It a- so we have um, two to three that we normally do um, or that we try to do throughout the season. The first being the Thanksgiving parade, which is usually the Saturday before Thanksgiving. Okay. Then in the okay. spring we have the Cherry Blossom parade, mm-hmm. which is um, it really so in our area the Cherry Blossoms blossom at peak times and it changes every year so the cherry blossom parade is usually like in march or april okay depending on when the when they think that the cherry blossoms are going to be at their peak okay and then um we also try to do the memorial day parade as well this past year it rained on the memorial day parade day so we didn't get to do it Mm -hmm. um we've also done the independence day parade in the past as well Okay. Um, which is considered a national parade, but it's NBC. Mm. Okay. Okay. Well, that's good to know. And so um, it also sounds like the more they do, the better they get. Like mm-hmm. if you just do one day versus if you do two, three, four days, almost like when you study more, you get better results. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So it sounds like um, they get more out of it. And if you really think about it, like, dancing is of course it's a technique and a skill um 
do you feel like it's just something that anybody can learn or you have to have some type of you know what I mean like rhythm (laughs) I I think that um, some people might be a little bit harder to teach than others like some people just have it naturally right but I think everybody is teachable if they want to be taught you know what I mean and they actually put in the work outside of the studio too okay I think it really it 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 just it takes two parts like I can I can be the best teacher in the world and show up with all of the things and all the tools to teach you but if you don't apply them when I'm not in your presence right like if you don't work hard on your own your own you're not gonna you're not gonna progress like you have to want it as bad as I want it for you you know what I mean like you have to you have to wake up and stretch or before you go to sleep you know after your bath or shower like stretch it's just not going to come if you're not somebody that's naturally flexible then that's not going to come to you easy you have to put in a little bit of extra work or like staying on the stretching aspect of things like mm-hmm. you could stretch while you're watching tv like okay. while in the middle of, let's just say you're watching a program i know nowadays we have on demand so like their kids don't have to worry about commercials but back in back in the day when we used to have commercials, I would stretch during the commercial break. Like, I'm going to sit in my split during this commercial. Then when the commercial, that, that was my timer. Because I didn't, obviously, I didn't have a phone. So, right, timer. But like, I would stay, okay, from this start of the, the commercial break to the end. When my show comes back on, I'm going to sit in my split. Or, like, while I'm doing my homework, I would sit in a stretch or whatever. Like, you have to... And it's not just stretching. It goes for all of the different aspects of dance because obviously there's a lot that you have to consider. But um, yeah, you have to you have to put in the work outside of the studio. It just doesn't happen. We teach right. them the things that they they need to know and they need to apply them um, at home. Like it's it, that's really the only way. I think I've seen some some people really blossom and not just in my program but I I have a particular person in mind from Redskins that when I first saw her dance I was like yo she's so stiff <laughs> but, but she ended up dance she ended up making the team because she worked so hard and mm-hmm. um she ended up being a good dancer like mm-hmm. I would have never thought that was the same person mm-hmm. and that was just her dream like she she grew up going to the games with her dad I think yeah um, and she saw the cheerleaders and that was just like her dream but she wasn't a dancer mm. and um yeah I was I and I I was quick to judge I was like she's never gonna be she's never gonna be good she can't even move and but, but she worked her butt off and um mm. she it just shows you that if you work really hard and you get involved and you get help from people like sometimes right. you can't do it on your own sometimes you have to ask for help from mentors or peers or whoever somebody that's been in the process before okay to you know help you out because sometimes we don't know exactly what we need right right and then too just like you said it sounds like the um you know the students or the kids I call them I keep going back and forth with it um in a sense like dance is like fun you know what I mean so it's like you're exercising really because you're having to like stretch and do all these different things with your body um which you start off with like pain because you're you're not used to doing that Mm -hmm. over time 
you get used to it your body gets used to it so yeah Yeah. and I think um educating them also that you know this is going to be painful to start off with like if this is something that you want to do you know it's not going to be comfortable you have to step outside of your comfort zone right be a little bit vulnerable be a little bit uncomfortable um especially just in regards to it could be a stretch it could be um conditioning so like their muscles just aren't used to the fatigue that they need to Mm -hmm. go through in order to get to where they need to be they're just not used to it and I think a lot of times especially this generation that's coming up they're used to putting something into the microwave and it being ready in 30 seconds Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so they don't understand the work ethic in that and their parents don't understand either like okay why isn't my kid a star yet like girl your kid has been in dance for what seven days like let's let's Mm -hmm. make sure that we it's not something that you can put in the microwave and it'd be done Mm -hmm. like it Mm -hmm. takes years um to get to where you expect them to be and I mean and especially if they're only coming once a week like it's not going to happen that quickly right right (laughs) Okay, um, so I just have a few more questions, um, and then we're going to wrap it up. I wanted to ask you next, why is entrepreneurship important to you? And you can say as little or as much as you would like with that question. And then okay. okay, so entrepreneurship is important to me. Well, I, I'm not sure how, how I would uh, answer that question, but... I think I leaned more into entrepreneurship because I just like to be on my own s- schedule and timing <laughs> of things. Um, I, I tried to work for other people, mm-hmm. but I was just never happy. And um, yeah, and I, and I think even when I taught for other people, I think that um, I just was never happy. I was always thinking about what I could do for myself or what I could do better. Um, like literally, like I, so as I told you before, I, um, I did my master's in arts management. So my, one of my dream jobs was to work at the Kennedy Center, Mm. which a cultural arts building located in Washington, D.C., Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's like the, one of one of the biggest in our world probably right um and so that was my dream job like I wanted to work there I grew up going to shows there with my grandparents and my mom okay and that was like what I wanted to do so I actually got a job there and oh. my dream was fulfilled <laughs> and right and and then I was like yeah I'm, I don't like it <laughs> Um, it was just not what I, I mean, it was, it was great that I had a great experience. I think I could have really learned a a lot more from the people that were working there, but literally I would think about, I would be, I would be working on Palm Squad stuff while I was there. Like I wasn't really, I hope the people, I mean, they can't do anything to me now, but, but, um, like if they hear, ever hear this, yeah, I would, I would be, instead of working on the stuff that I was supposed to be working on. I would be like taking phone calls for Palm Squad. I would be yeah. doing emails, setting up my website, like 
you know, just everything for Palms, but I wasn't thinking about the Kennedy Center. I was just, my, my whole brain was in a whole nother world. Um, and so I realized that I was just wasting everybody's time and money and I needed to, I needed to focus my attention on being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and, you know, really diving into that. And it was a hard decision to make. I had to, had to have a tough conversation with my husband um, I cried in my car on the way to work when I was really like trying to figure out what, you know, what God was telling me to do, what direction I needed to go in. Cause mm-hmm. like I said, it was, it was a tough decision. Like going from getting, a, having a salary to tr- now I have to, I have to create my salary. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that is really, it's, it's hard. It's a hard decision to make. Um, but also, now that I'm a mom, um, it's nice to entrepreneur because kind of have the flexibility to uh, do what I need to do with my children and do what mm-hmm. I need to do with my home. Mm-hmm. And then Palm Squad can either be top priority that day or it could be no priority that day for Palm Squad. Like I can completely go a whole day without doing anything. Okay. Um, so, you know, it, it gives me the flexibility to do, to put my family first. Right. Um, and not to be on necessarily anybody else's schedule. Okay. Um, to, you know, have to work a nine to five or anything like that. Even mm-hmm. I feel like now, after the pandemic, a lot of companies have been more flexible, especially with parents. Mm-hmm. And, you know, allowing them to telework and things like that. Um, but... I think that those are the two biggest things is that that the reason why I decided to be an entrepreneur is because I just I would always be my mind would just always be somewhere else when I was working for someone else Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. also just having the flexibility to be the type of mom and to be the type of wife that I wanted to be okay so you actually touched on a little bit how has your faith um, in your relationship, you know, with God, Christ, how has that, um, you know, just helped you up until this point as it relates to um, your business as an entrepreneur, as also and also, you know, as a woman, as a, um, you know, a wife, a mother, how has your relationship and your faith um, helped you up until this point? Mm-hmm. Well, I say... I used to, and I still do, I still believe this, like, God is my (laughs) co-CEO, so, um, with any, like, I always, I always put God and my faith first, Mm -hmm. because I just, I know that, uh, this is so much, this is so much that's coming to my mind right now, but, and I'll try to articulate it as, as easily as possible, but I think that, um, Cause one thing I want to say first is that recently in this past season or this past, um, this past school year for the kids, um, I had a parent say that I was incompetent mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, you know, you call the names, that's fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I feel like God doesn't always necessarily call the qualified. He qualifies the calls. And so I feel like that's been my journey mm-hmm. this whole time, this whole 10 years, this process is that 
I might not have always been the most qualified person. Like, no, I, I, can, I can take that back and say that I was never, ever the most qualified person to do this job. But I was called to do this job. Like, mm-hmm. this was a calling on my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just accept the calling. Right. And luckily, I love I loved what I do. Right. Um, but I, I wasn't this. Yeah, I, I never had any really type of business experience or marketing experience or like um financially in a, in you know experience like knowing mm-hmm. the numbers and everything like that mm-hmm. um so that's what I mean by saying like you know God will place you where you need to be and teach you the things that you need to be taught right um so that was that was one of the big 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 things um but yeah my faith is a big part of who I am Mm -hmm. um so obviously I pray for my business every day Mm -hmm. and then on the days where it's really hard I really really pray really hard right Um, because it did you know there are times where it becomes a little bit more challenging or you have to deal deal with a challenging person Mm -hmm. um but yes, my faith is a big part of that. And God has helped me through this whole process. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't be where I am today without God. Right. Sure. Okay. Um, what is your passion? And and you can talk about anything with that. Mm-hmm. What is your passion? Or what are you passionate about? Yeah. So I am passionate about dance. Mm-hmm. Um, that is probably high up there but I am also passionate about just girls in general and just seeing them prosper and Mm -hmm. um coming to their own and being confident and Mm -hmm. you know just growing up growing up to be well-rounded young ladies Mm -hmm. um and just helping helping them it's a it's a it is a passion of mine to see that okay see that growth so I feel like a lot of times um, girls can lose their way, mm-hmm. especially when it gets the preteen and teen age. Um, mm-hmm. We see a lot, a lot of their confidence like drop off. So just you know, keep inspiring them, empowering them that they can do anything that they want to do. Um, oh. That's a big passion of mine. Okay, and so um, you started off. Tell me, how old were you when you started dancing? Because I know you mentioned, uh, I think you mentioned jazz and ballet. Mm-hmm. Is it just something you were born? Yeah. yeah. So I was, when I like consistently or like consecutively started to dance, because I think I did take like a couple classes when I was like maybe five. But okay. when I really like kind of consistently was in dance was I started when I was 10. Okay. And that's when I never stopped after that. But um, yeah, the cousin that I had mentioned before, I think I went to one of her dance recitals and then I was like, yeah, I want to do that. And so okay. that kind of like started the process. So I was a little bit older in a way because um, a lot of kids start when they're like three, you mm-hmm. know, so mm-hmm. I started when I was 10 and I did a couple years at the studio that my cousin was at. Okay. And then I went to another studio when I was around 13, 14. Okay. 
And so um, even when you mentioned that, it made me think of, I'm a journalist, so I do a lot of research. <laughs> um, Misty Copeland, I read mm-hmm. on story or I saw it on Instagram, I'm not sure. And what I liked was the fact that, you know, I think she made history as like one of the first, I can't remember, it was been so long ago. Yeah, I think she's like the first um, mm-hmm. African-American ballerina at ABT, I believe yeah. in the company in which yeah. American Ballet Theater. And she and what I what I like is that, you know, how she just persevered and how she talked about being the oldest or like you just said, starting what would be considered really old. Mm -hmm. And she just did it. You know what I mean? So it's like I love those kind of stories because it's like it's like in a way you're not it's like they want to count you out or in a way you're not supposed to be there but I go back to faith and if if it's for God to use you it's going to happen it's already Mm -hmm. set on you know what I mean so yeah yeah, when you said that it just made me think of her and um her being another black girl or just another girl period um doing something that she loves and now she can inspire another set of girls so I love that yeah Okay, um, let's see. What do you like to do for fun? Um, <laughs> what do I like to do for fun? Um, I like to travel. Okay, uh, and just make new memories, traveling, or you know, just doing something different um, with my family. So, or we, or something the same. But I do like to just get away because mm-hmm. I feel like in a way even though sometimes I still do work I'm still guilty of working when I'm away mm-hmm. but just being in another environment and then unplugging to like go to a amusement park or to the beach or to the pool for a couple hours and just like seeing my kids happy really mm-hmm. makes me happy so um oh. making those memories with them and oh. my husband oh. I would say is probably probably top part top number one there okay and do you think you guys are going to recruit the girls to um be in the palm squad like as far as like if they want to um or if you see an interest Mm -hmm. with them like dancing yeah well i can say that the two so we like i said we have one on the way Um, yeah thank you so the oldest she's almost five she'll be five next month Okay. She dances right now um, with one of our competitive teams. Okay. So she, you know, she's <laughs> she's she. Sometimes she loves it. Sometimes she, I feel like she just doesn't want to be there. But she's fine. Okay. So what can you do? Right. Um, and then my two-year-old, she's not quite old enough to actually um, take class just yet. Okay. But. She loves to dance. She loves to perform for us in the house. Um, she loves to watch her sister perform. Like even mm. today, she was um, asking to watch her. Her name is Hero. Asking to watch Hero perform um, on YouTube today. We have our YouTube channel. Okay. So um, you know, and then she, then we watched some of the other girls perform from this season too. And you know, she's interested. She she's. It seems like she has an interest in that dance world and she's very familiar with it like she knows some of the dances are you know cause she because she comes to the studio with me so she sees okay. them she does heroes dance she can do it with her um so 
I think that she's definitely she might even have more of an interest in it than Hero does right oh. now. Um, so we'll see as they get a little bit older what happens with that. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's oh. interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then with the third one, we'll just mm-hmm. see what happens. I don't know. Okay. And also, you know, I know um, this month, I can't remember the day, but I think it's near the end of the month. Um, This is actually National Dance Month, or it's like a National Dance Day. Um, So the fact that, you know, we're talking um, about dance, that's really interesting to me, too, because I guess they just, like, acknowledge that day as, like, a day for dancers or dance teachers or... Mm -hmm. You know, just to kind of like recognize, especially like I love, and I'm sure you do too, Debbie Allen mm-hmm. and all these other great people who, um, I don't know, it's just an art form in itself. And um, it brings people together, kind of seeing people dance and move. And there was a show, and I wonder if you watched it. It, it used to be called um, So You Think You Can Dance. Yeah. I don't yeah, I used to watch that. Yeah, I used to watch it, especially when it first came out. And yeah. then throughout the years, they kind of, like, changed things. Yeah. I feel like when cho- shows change things, I tend to stop being interested. Yep. <laughs> but, um, yep. but, yeah, it was one of the shows that I was really consistently watching at the beginning. Yeah. Yep, because it was a good show when it started. Mm-hmm. So, um, let's see. How can, and I think this is the last question, how can people follow you um, on social media to support your business? So with this question, you kind of have, you know, free room to talk about your website. If you have a blog, if you have, uh, like you said, YouTube, Instagram, and then even if you have like a shop or clothing store, any way that they can support you guys, um, or even if you have any upcoming events and you want to discuss that, um, you can you can talk about those things. Okay. Um, yeah. So for to follow us on social media um, on Instagram, we are at the Palm Squad One, and then um, I think on Facebook, it's at the Palms like uh, Facebook.com slash mm-hmm. the Palm Squad. Okay. Um, our website is www.thepalmsquad.org. Okay. Um, we also, like I said, we do have a YouTube page. So if you were to search palm with the dots in between, so remember it's an acronym. So p.o.m.squad, okay. it will pop up as okay. like the first or second option okay. in the search. Um, and you'll be able to view our channel and see some of the dances from past seasons. Um, I think that's it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, and then do you guys, or, or will you in the future have like any type of like, like clothing or paraphernalia or anything? Yeah. So we do have a shop on our website. So the palm spot.org. Okay. Um, there is a link to shop. I believe it's the palmswell.org slash shop. From that okay. okay. And um, we do have some items to purchase from there. And okay. we ship we ship all over. So if there's anybody listening that wants to buy, we one of the things that was really popular popular during the pandemic was our stay positive shirts. So okay. that was one of the things that really helped us stay afloat 
during the pandemic was we kind of made this campaign to to remind people to stay positive mm-hmm. um, because that's like I said one of that's the first letter of our name so positive outcome mentoring um, so just reminding people like you know the pandemic is only going to be temporary right that we need to stay positive and um, that was that was really how we like I said like that was one of the biggest or the only revenue stream that I had during the pandemic at that time, like the first couple of months, mm-hmm. um, was our Stay Positive shirts. So people can buy them if they're okay. interested. Uh, we sell all sizes and okay. different colors as well. Okay. Um, overall, is there anything else that you would like to say or share um, about your experience or any, um, I don't know, goals that you have for the Palm Squad or your girls? Um, just anything that you would like to share at this time as we wrap up Um, though there's nothing that I would like to share but I do want to just say thank you for having me on on your podcast I appreciate the opportunity yes no problem Um, I learned a lot listening to you know your experience the highs and the lows and need to persevere and um congratulations again on everything especially the 10 years and you know your your service your mission your community service with the girls um i know that you're a blessing to them um yeah so i just want to say thank you for allowing me to interview you um on the podcast and um to anyone who may be uh relocating into the dmv area you can look, you can visit uh, the Palm Squad. Is it thepalmsquad.org? Yes. Okay. You can uh, check out her website and I'm going to drop the links um, once I post this as well as the Instagram so that you can follow her as well as, um, you know, if you have young girls who are passionate about dance, they can join um, the Palm Squad. So thank you. And um, I'm going to be talking to you really soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye.